Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello, and welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. And it is the first episode of 2020, Can You Believe It? I'm your host, Lucinda Carney from Actus Software. And today is going to be a show about some of the best bits of the last six months. Now, it's amazing, actually, because I've been blown away by how much traction we've started to get with the HR uprising. So thank you to everybody who's listened in, who's continued to listen in over the festive period. Really appreciate your support. And uh, you know, please carry on sharing sharing you know, your, the podcast with others and also telling us what you want to see more of. We will carry on trying to give you good quality content. And while we're giving you good quality content, we'll carry on doing podcasts. We'll stop as soon as we feel that that's not happening or you tell us it's not happening. So I thought it was quite, it's the time of year where it's quite nice to do top tens and to do countdowns to look at where we've come from. And amazingly, we hit 10,000 downloads back in November, which I thought was quite uh, quite, a, uh, quite a, a pinnacle, I guess, of achievement. Um, I'm obviously recording this slightly earlier, so I can't tell you exactly what our numbers are now, but I will keep you posted in future. So thank you to everybody who's downloaded the podcast and who's shared it with others. What I wanted to do today, though, was run through some best bits. And we've been out to our listeners on various social media routes. So if you're not already talking to us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter or Facebook, please do consider doing that. We'd love to hear from you and we love interacting with you. But we asked people what their favourite bits were. So this episode is going to run through some of the favourite bits. And I've got seven clips that I'm going to run through with you. Didn't want to go forever. Um, and seven clips come from our conversation with podcasts and we took the uh, the input from you guys. So before I go to our top seven, I thought, well, it needs to be a top 10 really. So I'm just going to briefly run through the three that didn't make the cut, which were solo episodes. And these are the ones that we've chosen based on the highest frequency and quantity of downloads of them. It's interesting because it's topics that we wouldn't necessarily have realised uh, people want to know more about. And that's one of the things I want to do more of with the HR uprising. It's very important to me that the content is useful and pragmatic. And I think that perhaps that's why these were the downloads that uh, that made the cut. So number 10 was, and it was a very, very close run thing between uh, this one and the onboarding one, which would have been number 11, was what really works in performance management. So that was an episode that we did probably back in about September. And it was taking the data from a research review about performance management. There's loads of noise out there, of course, of is appraisal dead, isn't it dead? And really, if we're honest, a lot of that is just marketing. The stuff that works in performance management, what the research says works in performance management, you know, has been around for donkey's years. And it's about embedding really good people management practice. And this particular podcast looks at the research evidence that we got commissioned by a psychologist. And you can also download that research review shows that you know, links are there for you. Um, and, and it was a really uh, well 
uh, well, a well-listened-to episode and continues to grow. So if you want to know about that and you want to be evidence-based, that's not a bad episode to start with. The next most popular uh, episode from a solo episode's point of view was this, the five secret powers of a change superhero. So I'm pleased that that was popular because I'm actually, well, finishing, well, I've finished a book and it's um, it will be out in, in March, which is about how to be a change superhero. So clearly it's a topic that people are interested in. And if you want to get, I guess, a sneak preview to some of the content that's in the book, then that was, I think, our very first episode. Uh, which is also to a certain extent where it would have more downloads, I guess, because it's been around for longer. Um, but some of the other ones have picked up speed. And then number eight, this one fascinated us, the art of demystifying OD. This has been the most commented on solo episode. And I think it's because people do feel that OD is something quite mysterious. We don't really know what it is. Everyone defines it differently as my conversation with Tom Robinson on the 1212 went. So we want to demystify it and we want to make it relevant. So I worked really hard actually in that podcast trying to give examples of what OD is and what HR is. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I gave it a good crack. So if you want to know what OD is as in organisational development, then that's not a bad episode to start with. So those are the three solo episodes. I'm going to rank those as 10, 9 and 8. And uh, when the guys edit this uh, podcast for me, I'm hoping they might be putting some pop pickers music on in the background for you. But if not, you just have to imagine it. And now I'm going to go into our top seven. And by top seven, it's a combination of the numbers of downloads and about the feedback. And we got some informal voting going on from our listeners. All of these are really great conversation with podcasts. Uh, they all, well, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversations. A lot of them come from real experts in their field and I was honoured to have these people on the podcast so I think you'll enjoy them all we're just picking out a two or three minute snippet from each of them obviously if you want to hear more go back and listen to that podcast for yourself so with no further ado the first of our podcasts that I want to share with you that came through as being a popular one and actually it did very very well considering the background noise was awful and that's because I did this podcast with Mervyn Dinan, who's an amazing thought leader. Um, follow him on social media. He's got so much fantastic stuff. And it was all about revolutionising talent acquisition. Mervyn's written, written a book and I know he's writing another book and he's a, a total thought leader in this space. And it's really interesting hearing what he's found from the research about how onboarding has changed and how the experience of people um, being onboarded needs to change. So over to listen to a clip from our Mervyn Dinan revolutionising talent acquisition podcast. And I know you've got a lot of expertise in sort of talent acquisition and recruitment. And you mentioned in the talk I heard a bit about talent onboarding and that being an area that you think perhaps is a next natural stage to digitise. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I'm not so about the, the next natural stage. I think it, it's hugely important. And I think it is the HR... I hate the word process because process sounds very mechanical. So HR activity, um, which needs investment, um, particularly as the hiring process is now speeded up. I gave the example this morning that making an offer to having everything signed and sealed is like half an hour now because the offer goes digitally, it's accepted, the contract goes over, it's, it's electronically signed immediately and that's done. No two weeks of, have you put it in the post yet? Did we use the right postage and all that? Um, and so that means that, that, that actually from that moment, like almost half an hour possibly after having received the offer and accepted it, 
Um, you need to start the process by which somebody joins your business. And I think that historically onboarding started on your first day. So you turn up for a job, you might have met the person you were working for and a couple of colleagues and that's it. You might have been sent a brochure or something to read through, but then you started being inducted. Um, but most people nowadays expect information. So they want to join. Day one is actually their first day of, of, of working. Um, and onboarding, I know some people find it a very clunky expression uh, and it sounds quite mechanical, but actually it's the journey by which you take an interested candidate and develop them into a productive employee. That was great, wasn't it? I think Mervyn is so knowledgeable, I could chat to him for ages. And uh, yeah, thank you, Mervyn, and congratulations making it into our top 10 best bits. Number six on our list is another massive thought leader, a guy I also really rate as an individual. He's He really likes to challenge the way things, the way we think about things particularly in learning and development. And this has been a very, very popular downloaded podcast as well, all about transforming learning and development. And this is a Transforming Learning Development with David James episode. Now, it's really hard to choose. You know, he go, he's got so many original thoughts about how we should do L&D better. And having spent 20 years in L&D within organisations, I love the way he thinks and challenges things. So it was difficult to choose the right one. But what I like about this one is the fact that he talks about the risk of the fact that we don't give new managers the skills when they are actually managing the largest population and why we should think differently about how we provide development, particularly to new managers. So take a listen to this one. Another one is new managers. And the reason I bring these two up nearly in all, uh, all of my uh, examples, uh, this is what everybody comes knocking on our, uh, our door for. Like we've, we've got to overhaul induction or we need to do something that works for new managers. So with new managers, uh, a lot of the time, these are the great neglected population in any organisation. They're promoted and they're promised development. Yeah. That development will come weeks, months or years after they begin in the job. Um, it's no secret. I think it's well publicised that uh, technical people promoted into managerial roles are pretty much have got a career change in front of them. And yeah, they might be given some e-learning, but come on, like, let's 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 That's let's. Well, like, oh, that gets you know they don't, yeah. they don't have the people gene quite often. The best yeah. the best engineer is not the best engineering team leader, and so there's something there about whether we should do that in the first place. Yeah. But it's even worse if we don't develop them. You know, hang them out to dry, really. Exactly. Get the opportunity to deliver. But let's assess the risk. Let's assess the opportunity. What data have we got on this? Again, if what we do is we, based on a hunch and limited observation, we recognise that we need to take leaders away for two days. Again, we're measuring this in in time, time away, away job, yeah. rather than the, the cost, yeah, value. exactly, yeah. rather than the efficacy uh, and addressing real risks. I always say that that you've got your least experienced population, your new managers promoted into the role, looking after your largest population. Now tell me that's not a risk. But so, so when you're delivering your training, your one and done experience to these people who have been muddling through and finding their own ways for all of that time, we're trying to repair something. And a lot of the time, we're trying to share models and theories, as well as some conversation about stuff that might be contextually relevant, but it's largely theoretical onto people who we don't understand their working environment. If we could take a step back and understand the data, understand what they are trying to do, 
address the friction that they're experiencing as they come onto this role so that we can guide and support them through the most turbulent time, the most unfamiliar time that they will face within that role. That has got to be more worthwhile than any investment in an immersive experience that is so far away from the point of need, it might as well be on a different planet. Thank you to David, superstar. So next on the list was, oh, this was, this was, I was so chuffed. This was one of the first six uh, episodes that I did. And um, this particular individual is another thought leader, uh, really challenging to talk to. And I loved the conversation I had with him. Again, apologies, there are sound effects because we had Tower Bridge in the background. And this person is someone who actually was my tutor when I did my MSc in occupational psychology. And I don't think I realised quite well, it was before social media, frankly, how influential he was. Um, I didn't get that much, I did it all correspondence, so I didn't get so much direct uh, interaction with him. So it was great to sit with him in person. And I tried really hard to challenge the academic view versus the pragmatic, let's get stuff done view. And it was an in a really interesting conversation that I found great to be able to challenge. Some of what this person says, I think needs challenging, but he is so convincing. You know, I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure that I convinced him, let's put it that way. And what I was trying to get at in this clip, the clip is with Rob Breener, um, or Professor Rob Breener. And I was trying to point out the fact that when you're a practitioner internally, you do want to do things, not just think about doing things, because you have a job where people expect you to make a difference and to contribute. And as he rightly says, well, what's the point of doing stuff if it's the wrong stuff and you've only got to act on evidence? My counter argument is, what if there is no evidence? Surely you've got to start somewhere. And so it was a good ding dong conversation. And uh, this is as where I suppose I'm saying, well, you know, what's the point of my job? And he's going, well, that's a very good point. <laughs> so have a listen to uh, this particular episode with Rob Breener giving me a good old run for my money. So throwing that back, because you can get to the point where you go, all right, what's the point of my job? Because um, if I can't prove it makes a difference, then, then what, do yeah. I actually, what do I do? So where is I there good evidence? Very, I think that's a very good question for any profession, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so then in HR, where are the areas? So I'm going into HR, where is the good evidence? Where right. should I focus okay, my energy? Okay, so I would say again, that's the wrong place to start. What's the problem? Okay. You don't start, it's, it's a bit like saying where, you know, uh, even an organisation, I've got loads of organisational data, where's the lots of organisational data? I know, I'll go and look where there's lots of data and that's my focus. Well, hold on. What's the problem? But it's a bit of chicken and egg though, isn't it? Because if we're saying that um, I can't solve certain problems, so I suppose yeah. I'm saying is which are the problems that um, I'm most likely to be able to use an evidence-based solution for? I think any problem. No? Okay. So any, any, any. Any at all. Yeah. I think, I think, okay, so that's in a sense working back. It's a bit like saying, it's not like saying, say, I, use, I don't like using medical analogies, but it's like saying, okay, in which area of medicine is there strong evidence that stuff works? You go, oh, it's in... Uh, it's in uh, treating pain. Oh, okay. Then what we'll do is we'll go around and treat everyone's pain. But hold on, these people don't have pain. Yeah, but that's what works. But they don't have pain. So you have to start with what the issue or problem is. And you can take an evidence-based approach to anything. Okay, so again, going back to my pragmatism, mm. I'll push on this yeah. one because you've know, got people push, push, out here push. going, well, yeah, well, so uh, I'm going to do nothing. So no, they're not going to do anything. No, no, they're not going to do anything. They're going to do something. They're going to find... Okay, something. they're going to do two things. 
They're going to address important business organizational problems and opportunities, number yeah. one. Number two, they're going to do stuff that's more likely to work. That is the only thing okay. we should be doing. I'm not going to do a survey. No, no, you <laughs> no, might. It depends it might, on, if it works. No, no, you might. Of course, of course you can do a survey. You can do anything you like. But you don't start with a technique. You don't start with a phenomenon. You start with what are the, what's important for this organization? Yeah. And how do I know it's important? And what's the evidence for that from multiple sources? And if I'm fairly clear, it seems very likely that is quite a serious problem for this business organization or, or it's a good opportunity. Then what is the evidence from multiple sources about what's the most likely solution? That's what you do. So I suppose, sorry, I forgot to mention on the last one that, of course, we're in the top five now. Uh, it's very artificial rankings because all of these are great. But number four, I think actually one of the things that's in common with these uh, ones coming up is where people found them really practical, which is quite nice. So number four, this is actually uh, from a guy called Adrian McDonough, who runs an agency and uh, recruitment firm with recruitment software. It's all called, uh, called EasyWeb. But what I think is fab about Adrian is the culture that he has developed within EasyWeb. It's such a buzz when you go up to their, their organisation. He's all about openness, honesty, transparency, he and his team. And um, what he was telling us about this particular clip is actually not about like their expertise and anything. This is actually about what they do internally and their way of taking that concept of the candidate experience, but actually making sure that you also put the effort into wowing new starters. So I loved this example and I can see why other people enjoyed this too in terms of what we could all do to make a difference with new starters. So this is Adrian McDonough from EasyWeb Agency. I was explaining to you when you come into our office today yeah. that um, we have a little bio form. So when people, it sounds really, really dull when I describe it like that. So when people join EasyWeb, um, um, one of our team members looked after it and developed the execution and it's really well. So we send out a little information pack saying, here are the other team members and you can read their bios so you can see who else you're going to be working with. And it's what they do, how long they've been here, that sort of stuff. But it's also some of the funnier stuff, like, you know, what's your, what are their passions and interests outside of work or do they have pets or whatever else. So hopefully when you join the team, you sort of feel a little bit familiar with them a little bit. You might already know a couple of people that you might share with, a few. Yeah, yeah you, hopefully you get more. Or not more, talk more, football with. Exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. certain people that if it says cycling, for example, and you're not into cycling, you know, very few people have a mild interest in cycling, in my experience. That's true. So, uh, yes. <laughs> So, I'm married to one. <laughs> okay. So, um, but yeah, so what, what we asked the new, new employee to fill out is a tiny little form telling them about themselves. So, um, and it's not a lie. We are doing it for them to have a bio for them for the future. But when they tell us, you know, I'm, you know, passionate about this and my favorite snack is X, you know, my favorite biscuit is Jammy Dodgers. And um, if I've got one sporting team, it's this or something. And then from that wealth of information, we have a small budget. I don't actually know the budget. I think it's about twenty-five pounds, maybe maybe slightly larger. And our team member who looks after it buys highly personalised mess products and gifts. Um, so that when they join day one, it's not just a standard EasyWeb notepad, EasyWeb bottle. There's a couple of nice little personal touches there. And I, I think, hope you're not giving it away to your new staff. That's because you've got someone arriving, haven't you? I saw the balloons today. Yeah, there's two people who have arrived. Yeah, we put balloons up on the desk and stuff as well, which yeah. is great because people encourage them to go to their desk and talk to the new people and reminds, oh, you know, reminds people there's new yeah. people here. Hopefully, if you're not incredibly shy, but your first few days might be a bit tough. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a nice touch. And I think that's the challenge is like the technology is great mm -hmm. and I love technology, but it's 
how do you make, where does technology step in and where does the personal touch step in? Did you enjoy that? It's great, isn't it? It's so practical, we could all do that, but how many of us actually do do that? So a well-deserved number four spot there for Adrian. We're now into the top three. So we might even manage some drum roll here. So number three was the fabulous Bina Briggs. And she is such a warm, positive light, isn't she, out there? Putting positivity out every day on LinkedIn. And she was just telling us about how she set up her HR consultancy. But I think what we really loved about this one was it's very real. She was talking about being authentic. It's not about how clever you are. It's always just being customer focused. It's not about proving things. It's about doing what people need you to do. So just quite a short clip here from Bina, but one that had quite a lot of impact on people. That, you know, you have to think about what you're bringing to the party, as it were. Mm. What's my contribution mm. to my client? And it's always been, and it, it's not really a buzzword. It is about keeping it simple. Yeah. You know, I'm Actually, I was going to ask you why you're called uh, Plain Talking, talking HR. HR, so that, that's well, me, yeah. Bronwyn actually got the name because she said, I hated jargon. She mm -hmm. hated jargon, I hate jargon. We're of the old mm. kind of school where, you know, keep it simple. Yes. You know, if somebody has to ask you the question, when you explain something and somebody says, does that, you just said something, does that mean la 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 la? Or this, when this is what you meant, yeah. you lost them already. Mm. And, you know, quite often we're all very good at jargon because we think that, oh, everybody wants to hear how clever we are. That's not the case. The case is, really, you're there to help that individual, that company, that client, think about their pain, think about what they want to know and keep it simple because they understand. They don't want to know how clever you are. They just want you to sort out their issues, their yes. problems. Ooh, it's really getting exciting now, isn't it? Who could be in the top two? Okay, so think back over the fabulous guests that we've had over the last six months. Who could it be? Well, in second place was our 25th anniversary episode, was the fabulous Twitterati himself, Steve Brown. And he's such a fabulous guy. I'm really, really chuffed to have him on the podcast. And there were many, many lovely bits about this particular podcast. But this particular clip that came through was about how he just completely believes in people. He reaches out to people. He is absolutely the real deal. So genuine, so sincere. Authenticity again shining through here. So there's a lovely clip here from Steve Brown just talking about his belief in people and how he uses social media to connect with others. People have always valued conversation and taking time to learn about each other. And I'm not someone who comes to meet you to fix you. I'm not someone that, can meet, that comes and says, well, this is how I feel. And if you don't feel that way, I won't talk to you. I'd rather meet you for who you are and learn who you are. I have very, very many people in my circle that don't think like me at all, but I learned so much from them. And I want to be available because I don't think there's a lot of people who believe in other people. And I, I want to be careful because it doesn't, I don't want it to sound arrogant, 
The world is missing encouragement every day. And someone needs to encourage. And it needs to be authentic and genuine. Although I think some people make that really new agey. Yeah. I think you see it through their behavior. So when you see someone's behavior and you know, I see, boy, he says he's positive, but I see it here. He says he's connected, but I see it here. Then I'm all in. He's Nefab. So I know that Steve will be geeked to be in the top 10. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. I'm sure he'll be very polite enough to say that he is. Uh, however, amazingly, he was held off the top spot by someone who has got less, less social media exposure than anyone else on the list. It was quite a surprising one. But we selected this particular podcast because it had more far and away the most specific feedback from people saying that was so useful. It was a massively useful, valuable, practical podcast. Um, it was interesting because um, it was like a lesson and this particular person actually is a trainer. So, so I did feel that we were being led along the way. So uh, this lady was very skilled at what she did and demonstrated it throughout the conversation. But it was really, really practical. But the number of people that I got through social media just commenting on this particular part of the episode where she came up with an example of a killer question. Now, just to explain about this episode, it's it's called interviewing, but it was actually aimed at people who have to interview others because um, she teaches people how to be interviewed, but also interviewing skills. And you might, it's really easy to dismiss it, but this was such a useful, so it was packed with useful um, advice. And I'd say anyone who's preparing for an interview or is going to have to sit on an interview panel, I would say this makes really, really good practical listening. And that's what many, many people told us. So in the top number one spot for the 2019 HR Uprising podcast series was Joe Irwin, who talked all about practical interviewing techniques. So listening now to our clip, which talks about the killer question. It's unbelievable how many times candidates will have told me that panel members are literally reading the CV or reading the application. And then just, let's say, lingering a little bit longer on preparation, um, Lucinda, I do think, and I've heard all sorts of stories from different candidates about panel members who are reading the CV or flicking through the application form while they're actually in their interview. I do think it's so important. And it's about showing dignity and respect, I think, for the amount of time that candidates have put into it. It's good manners. So please do read the CV and the application form and make a few notes prior to going to the interview. You know, ensure that you have an accurate job description and that if you're not the hiring manager, that you have an understanding of the competency descriptors and possibly, and it should be done in a pre-meeting, that you have had input from the hiring manager about what particularly they're looking for or what is it that the success would look like. There is a, a great question which I ask my candidates to ask, if possible, to the, uh, the hiring manager prior to an interview, which is this. If I could ask you to imagine we're 12 months down the line and you're reviewing my first year in post, could I ask you, what have I delivered that would exceed expectations of me? Now, I think that's a really powerful question to ask somebody. I bet that's what the interviewers say because they have no idea how to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Funnily enough, the number of times people have said to me that the first response they get is, oh my God, that's a great question. Just give me a moment. 
and then they have a you know a pause, a, a lingering pause, and they maybe come up with a couple of ideas about what would delight them, what would exceed their expectations. Well, that's gold dust if you're ever going for an interview. But I think it's a really valid question for interviewers and certainly the hiring manager to share with their fellow panel members because you're really focusing down and tailoring what can be quite a it's like a tsunami of information is going to come across the table to you with all these various people going past on the conveyor belt that really focuses everybody on the panel to what exactly does good look like and what is it specifically the hiring manager is wanting in that what I like about that Joe, I think is also the fact that We've talked about competency-based interviewing. I, I haven't researched this recently. And the thing that it's actually past performance is a predictor of future performance. Yet, if you see that on a share certificate, they would say they wouldn't guarantee that past performance isn't going to guarantee future performance. Um, yeah. So it, what you're also doing is almost future pacing it so that everyone's thinking you're giving people a, a fair chance because there might be some people who are, they haven't had the opportunity to evidence every single competency or bit of experience, but they've got the potential to. Yeah, and that's really interesting, actually, because I know of several large organisations who actually recruit people who are able to perform at 85% of the level needed. So rather than recruiting somebody in who can do the job with their eyes half closed, they recruit people who are 85 or maybe 90% there so that there is room for them to grow. They feel they're going to be more motivated and they'll grow into the role. And I think that's a really interesting concept. So that's it, Pop Pickers. That was our top 10 from the HR Uprising archives of 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed those recaps and maybe it's inspired you for the odd episode you might want to go back and listen or send on to someone else. We will be back to normal next week with a solo episode um, and we'll have a series of those over the coming months. We're also going to run a series where we're talking to CEOs about what people are really looking for from HR. I thought that might be quite a good angle for us to hear from others. And do get you know, messages if you want to hear a specific topic covered or you could get involved and contribute. As ever, please connect with me on social media or one of the team and also listen out for we're going to start launching um, we've got some new ideas about things that we're going to launch to the HR uprising community including masterminding sessions some co-mentoring and also some training sessions potentially on how to be a change superhero so do make contact if that's something you're interested in and I'll tell you more in future episodes in the meantime thank you so much for your positive reception to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm very, very grateful um, for the feedback and the support and uh, do keep it coming. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.